So Matthew chapter 13, verse 45 and 46, if you'd like to look that up, we will get to it in a moment. Have you ever had the experience where a stranger or a friend, a child or a senior, told you a wild story? By wild, I mean it seemed so strange that it was hard to understand or believe. You didn't really know what to do with it. You left confused and scratching your head. You may have tried to put it out of your mind entirely and dismissed the story. Or you may have shared it with someone else to get their take on it. Or you may have done something in between. When Jesus told parables, people didn't know what to do with them. The meaning was often unclear. His 12 disciples would ask him when the crowds had left, what does this parable mean? The unusual thing about parables is that while they are simple stories, Jesus did not tell them to make things simple. In fact, he tells his disciples that parables deliberately have a kind of hidden meaning. Those who hear a parable dismissively say, I don't get it, and then move on, have missed out on the opportunity to know Jesus and the kingdom of heaven. However, for those who ponder the parable, who let it roll around in their minds and earnestly seek its meaning, the kingdom of heaven becomes more real and more tangible. The parable of the pearl is one of the parables without an interpretation in the text of Scripture. Let's read it together from Matthew 13, verse 45 and 46. Jesus said, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Various English translations of these two short verses do not differ much. We have just one character, a merchant, a trader, a wholesaler. This person is active in acquiring something of value, looking for high quality. When he finds this pearl that is better than anything he's seen before, he sells everything to buy it. Pearls are mentioned in only a few places in the New Testament. They were a sign of wealth, since pearls were imported from regions like the Red Sea, the Persian Gulf, or India. These locations had water 14 to 36 meters deep, in which the shells of oysters might produce a pearl. At one point, Jesus tells people do not throw your pearls to pigs. He seems to have meant that valuable wisdom is wasted if given to fools who have no appreciation for it. The glory and splendor of the New Jerusalem in Revelation 21 is described as having 12 gates, each formed of a single pearl. Pearls required a diver taking risks Pearls are a wonder of nature, 
a glimmering beauty that reflects light. Back to our merchant. We see in him someone discerning who has an eye for beauty. The shape of the pearl must be just so. He knows the variations in luster and is seeking a pearl with depth and quality. When he finds the one pearl of great value, he knows his search is over. Have you ever held and examined a pearl? It's one thing to store up some facts about pearls in our minds and then have a logical understanding of what Jesus is talking about. And it's another to ponder a pearl, to roll it around in our palm and earnestly seek its meaning and its beauty. A Syrian theologian who served as a deacon did this very thing around the year 360 AD. Based on his hands-on experience with a single pearl and his thoughtful reflections about it, Ephraim the Syrian wrote seven hymns. Among other things, he observed that the pearl speaks with a silent mouth about the trophies, victories, and crowns of Jesus Christ. The bright and luminous gem was for him a reflection of Jesus, the light of the world. The kingdom of heaven is like. This is how many parables begin. It's a formula. It's similar to hearing once upon a time and knowing that a make-believe story for children will follow. What can be tricky is that this formula can direct us to the wrong thing. In this parable, for example, it seems to tell us that the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. Should we focus on the merchant to understand this parable? Well, not exactly. As readers of the New Testament, we need to remember that it was originally written in Greek. And before Matthew recorded his gospel, Jesus taught the crowds, not in Greek, but in Aramaic. And so Joachim Jeremias, a German Bible scholar of yesteryear, points out that the Aramaic expression Jesus likely used was similar to, it is the case with. So understanding the kingdom of heaven through a parable means looking at the full story and not just the very first element that's mentioned. We learn from the parable of the pearl that the kingdom of heaven is of great value. That seems obvious, but is that all there is to it? Let's look once more at the two-sentence story and its first word, again. Jesus and Matthew know that one parable can never capture the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. In this case, we need to go back to the parable that came right before it to give us more understanding of the main point. In the NIV, what comes before it is, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. 
it's not hard to see the parallels between the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl. Yes, the high value of the kingdom of heaven through the treasure and the pearl stands out. Another similarity is that the person who finds the valuable item, whether by chance or by diligent search, sells everything to possess it. As we ponder these parables, letting them roll around in our minds and earnestly seeking their meaning, we realize that the value of the kingdom and the willingness to sell everything to obtain it really go hand in hand. We can see a similar sentiment throughout the book of Proverbs. More than 10 times, the writer of Proverbs compares wisdom to valuable treasures, be they rubies, gold, choice silver, or a crown. In Proverbs 2, verse 1 to 5, we read an impassioned plea. My child, if you accept my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, if you indeed cry out for understanding and raise your voice for insight, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. If the wisdom of God is this valuable, surely the kingdom of heaven built on this wisdom is of such great worth that we ought to seek it, pursue it, and invest in it with all that we have. Jesus' teaching about the kingdom links to these Old Testament teachings, and Matthew's audience was familiar with them. Now, selling all you have to obtain the kingdom of heaven sounds a bit intense, doesn't it? We might dismiss it to our, due to our Reformed understanding that we cannot earn salvation by anything we do, not even by works of great generosity. Jesus must not mean this literally. We protest. Well, let's look at a completely different parable that has a character about to sell all he has. However, this sale of possessions is not his choice. Starting in Matthew 18, verse 23, we hear of one who owed his master 10,000 talents. Since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, so that payment could be made. Debt is something that can force a person to sell all that they have. And in Bible times, it could include even selling, selling even people into slavery for a limited period of time. While those who found the hidden treasure and the pearl went off with joy to sell all their goods, this man in debt is in utter misery. What will he gain by selling his goods, his children, and his own self? He will gain nothing. It is the harsh consequence of debt that cannot be escaped. I remember once hearing of someone whose business went bankrupt, 
And because it was not incorporated, the bank took everything the family owned, including the meat in their freezer. Selling everything under these conditions is a scenario anyone would fear. When looking for another scripture that refers to selling everything in order to obtain something of greater value, we find it one chapter later. Matthew shares a conversation between Jesus and a rich man who is challenged to sell everything. This young man comes to Jesus looking to obtain eternal life. He is, in fact, seeking the kingdom of heaven, and he wants to know exactly what's required. When Jesus says, keep the commandments, he wants them to be spelled out, spelled out, certain that he could check off every box. But Jesus surprises the young man by saying, if you wish to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Again, rather than joy, we see misery. Various translations describe the emotions of the young man as he turned away from Jesus as sad, grieving, crestfallen, and sorrowful. Although he desired the kingdom of heaven, he could not bring himself to invest in it fully. One more spot. In Mark and Luke, we have another individual. Rather than selling everything, is said to be giving up everything, all she had to live on. When this poor widow places two copper coins in the temple offering, Jesus calls the attention of his disciples to her display of commitment. While others had come by to donate large amounts from their ongoing wealth, Jesus knows that this woman with limited means has surrendered all to the Lord. We are not told the expression on her face, but we can imagine that it was not sorrow or misery. Jesus saw her heart and her motivation was joy and trust in her maker. All this talk about total investment in the kingdom of heaven feels a bit uncomfortable. Is this a ploy to make people give more money to the church? Really, what's wrong with the comfortable lives we've built up? Didn't we work hard to earn them? John Timmer puts our resistance this way. If there's one thing in life people resist doing, it is overhauling their treasured values and rearranging their priorities. When my son was preparing to go abroad for a one-year mission, he sold his bass guitar, his amplifier, his 21-speed bike, and other things of value. He made donations and emptied his bank account. He left as if he might not come back. Watching this was challenging as parents. Is this the kind of dedication Jesus wants from all of us? We wondered if it was impulsive extremism, but we did notice joy as he made each of these transactions. If buried treasure and a lustrous and valuable pearl feels too distant from our everyday experience in Canada, 
Let's reimagine the pearl of the hidden treasure. Let's imagine the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl using a more current example of something out of reach for most people. It was actually suggested as a modern equivalent by a grade eight student during class devotions last winter when asked, what is something today that somebody might sell everything to get? Consider with me, the kingdom of heaven is like the case of a collector of classic cars who scours websites and advertisements and travels to dealerships and auto shows every weekend for months. He is seeking for the one car that meets all his criteria for design, speed, and luxury. One day, he spots a one-off Bugatti sports car and knows that his search is over. He smiles broadly and sells all the other cars in his collection and everything else he owns to get that sports car. The man who sold everything to buy the field and the merchant who sold everything to buy the pearl and the car enthusiast of our modern example did not feel like they were making a sacrifice. It was a calculated decision they knew the supreme value of the item that they were seeking. And that's why I hesitate to use the word sacrifice to describe what citizens of the kingdom of heaven choose to give up in their loyalty to Jesus. After all, what else has lasting value? We just sang, pardon for sin and a peace that endureth, Christ's own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all ours with 10,000 besides. Joy is the motivation for the kingdom citizen to give up things of minor value so that they become more and more centered on their king and lord. The kingdom citizen whose goal is total investment willingly gives up control of his career path. She rejects the myth of self-sufficiency and self-reliance. Little by little, they deconstruct worldly definitions of success in favor of godly definitions of stewardship. Bit by bit, she realizes the emptiness of pride of race pride of nationality, pride of achievements. Rather than insisting on their own rights and comforts, this commitment to the things of God involves deeper care and love for the vulnerable. This investment in God's kingdom makes him give up the feeling that he starts each day as the lawful possessor of 24 hours to use as he sees fit. Committing every part of oneself to serving the Lord is a joyful process, and it will take a different form in your life than it does in mine. Make no mistake, we will occasionally get sidetracked by a shimmering deception that will eventually show itself to be a counterfeit pearl. So we need to cry out daily 
with the writer of Psalm 86. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. The Apostle Paul, apart from giving up a stable and comfortable life in either Jerusalem or Tarsus, testifies from a Philippian jail. Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I now consider loss, sorry, whatever is, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. These are not the words of a miserable and bitter person. It is with joy that Paul devoted himself fully to Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. To what extent have you deeply pondered just who Jesus is? Have you allowed the parable of the treasure and the pearl to roll around in your mind, your hand, your heart? Have you earnestly sought the meaning of eternal life? Are you beginning to see and feel and know and believe that nothing in all creation can compare with the beauty and value of Jesus? Then with joy, you will know the next attitude or tangible thing to let go of in order to embrace the kingdom of heaven and its king more fully. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, as we have considered again a simple story that points to your glory and to the infinite value of your kingdom, we ask that you will apply this message to our hearts and lives. Enable us to grasp just what you are saying to us right here and right now. Give us, by your Holy Spirit, the courage to act upon what we know is pleasing in your sight. Help us to humbly and joyfully serve you in all aspects of our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.